Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. And today we have Dave and Carla back again. Uh, they have a book called Hell No Reincarnation with Mother Isabel, God, and Elizabeth. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us, Gary. Yep. We're, we're glad to be back on, Gary. So before we, we started recording, you asked me if I had any questions. And apparently... I thought this was a complicated question, but it's an easy one for you. <laughs> well, I don't say it's easy, Gary, but you go ahead. What is the meaning of life? <laughs> I think that might use that as the title of this episode, too. <laughs> that could be. What is the meaning of life? So, Gary, the meaning of life as we've experienced through many past lives together, our previous book was The Gift of Past Lives with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth. This one is Hell No Reincarnation. The purpose of life is to learn that love is the only answer. And when you learn that love is the only answer, you will complete the cycles of reincarnation and return back to creator source Tao to be the person you were meant to be when you were created. So what exactly is love? I think we might, that could be a tricky word sometimes in, a, in and of itself. It can, even if you are a, uh, even if you are. Without expectation. So we can go back to early Hebrew, which is Ahab and Ahava, which is to love and to love without expectations, giving of yourself. We can talk about love as agape, which is emotional attachment. Mm -hmm. And I think that love, as we're talking when we talk about God, may even come into that word grace, created just because, as a gift giving of oneself. And so when you start to talk about karma and God, you start to talk about those things that you make decisions based on ego, mm -hmm. which are conceit, selfishness, jealousy, unforgiveness, or those decisions based on love, which is giving of yourself, no expectations from others, just free-spirited sharing, helping others. I think that's where we really are sitting when we start talking about love. How about this? Love is appreciation for your life, home, friends, family, nature, animals, humankind in general, humankind who are different than ourselves. Love is kind, love is acceptance, it's giving, it's nurturing. Love is unwavering, love is all powerful. Love comes from God. That is from the gift of past lives with Mother Isabella, God and Elizabeth. That is beautiful. I love that definition. It has so many, I mean, when it has the, it's unconditional um, mm -hmm. and it's kindness and it covers all the bases. Um, Correct. Because I think a lot of times, and the reason I ask this question is 
not to confuse the love that you're talking about with romantic love. Or or not even like romantic love, maybe infatuation sometimes it is with Correct. with humans. Yeah, there's there's that part of us which is a chemical attraction that's related to reproduction and all of those other issues. I'm not sure that that's where we want to go now. Right. That kind of love is great. <laughs> okay, no doubt about it. But I think that that's, even in human cases, love that way is about giving, not about what you receive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's all about giving is, is true love, where we don't, we give and don't expect anything back in return. Mm-hmm. And it also sounds like you have sort of a, a gratitude added to it, too, where it's being able to appreciate everything, too, whether we, I think also for me, too, is getting past my own perceptions, because sometimes it's hard for me to love something that in my mind I think I don't like or it's not in my favor. But I have to remind myself that it's part of my life. It's what's going to get me. If I learn to love that that thing that I don't like, that's what's going to get me where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, there, there's part of that that's overcoming. You know, we actually live in a society right now where people think that everything that happens is happening to them. It's bad. It's There's an experience here that's inappropriate or it's not good and I'm suffering. Well, it's that's really about expectation. Yeah. The expectation is you're going through life. You're learning lessons. You're growing. You're changing. If, if you take all of that as a negative and you start to focus on only negative, pretty soon what we see is dark. Mm-hmm. Everything is dark. Or we can look at things as positive. There's a growth experience here. There's a presence here. We're moving forward. So it's not a negative. It's actually a positive. It's a test to help you grow, to become a better self. Find a gift in your karma. Mm-hmm. Your karma may seem like it's punishment. It's not punishment. It's a gift. It's another chance to get it right. So, it's so about learning compassion. So mm-hmm. do you guys have maybe a story or a lifetime that you can share with me and my listeners specifically related to this? To love? Yeah. I'm sure um, like most of them are, actually. They, they, <laughs> yes, they, they actually, in both books, there's a, a, a lot of that. Um, and at the end of every story in in yeah. either of our books, there's some lessons that we learned. Uh, we can we could talk about the very first life that we experience. Yeah, let's go there. Okay, uh, our very first life occurred almost six thousand, a little over six thousand years ago. Our names were David and Ariella. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting that if you have somebody write Ariella in Hebrew or they write the name Carla in Hebrew, it's spelled exactly the same, which is kind of a one of those synchronicities we were mm-hmm. talking about a little bit. So in our very first life, we had the same names and we've actually found Carla having the same name or something close to the same name a lot of times, which I think is interesting throughout history that we're drawn to some of those same names. I've actually been David in four of my 42 past lives. Uh, Carla's been Carla, Carlise, Cara, Karen. Karen. Um, yep. Yeah, all sort of derivatives over these lives. 
So that in itself is just a, an interesting fact. Uh, our first life was, again, as David and Ariella, we were actually born on the Mount of Olives, um, outside of what would be Jerusalem some thousand or so years later, probably 2,000 years later. Um, and it's interesting because we did a little research on that area, and there's actually a known community that's been there that was there from six to six to 7,000 years ago when they did the carbon dating. So we thought that was interesting that there was actually a community there. We were born to beings that did not have a soul, which I think this is probably an, an interesting comment because soul, we said the first souls were placed almost 6,000 years ago. Right. And certainly civilization occurred on the earth before 6,000 years ago. Yeah, There are certainly humanoid type creatures on earth at that time and all of the first couples and again this is also in our book you know there's a story that most of us have heard something about adam and eve well most of us probably realize that adam and eve is a story uh, because the bible didn't started with something and so it started with a couple called adam and eve and actually her her name was really Shadia, and she was born in the evening, so that's where that becomes. It was misinterpreted as usual. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stories in the Bible that are misinterpreted over time, and that's a lot of what's in, in our, the book, Hell No Reincarnation. But in this life, we were born to people that were unlike us, and we did not notice and feel as comfortable, even with our own parents. They had some rudimentary language, but... We were drawn to each other because we could relate that we both had a soul. Um, we get a lot of arguments from people because there's, they start to talk about the soul being uh, in existence beforehand. And, it, and I'll say it was mm -hmm. that all souls were created before they were first placed on earth. Um, we also talk because those beings that existed that were our parents that did not have a soul, all of those who did not have a soul only had one life and returned back to heaven, just like animals do. And so I, I like to make sure I tell people animals have a soul like, if you want to call it a soul, they have a soul like essence. They have a, a consciousness that returns back. They don't have the level of understanding to go through the reincarnation cycle. They were created to serve man. And so got offline a little there, but I just try to explain that to people because people get yeah. interested as soon as I say that animals don't have an actual soul and don't reincarnate. Um, Can I just but, interject something here, Dave? Please. <laughs> okay, so while you gather your thoughts, obviously, you know, Adam and Eve were not the only people created in the beginning. Um, all over the areas that were most populated, God placed 500,000 couples. That's also in hell no reincarnation to begin because otherwise Adam and Eve's children would have been through incest. They never explain that in the Bible. But if 500,000 couples were first placed with a soul, then it would be much easier for the earth to populate and grow and begin instead of just one little couple. Yeah. 
And and the other part of the story here too is that God created each of us with a spark of God, a spark of God's love. So we are created out of love as a part of God into our existence in this world, rotating through until we can return as the God, the spirit of God that we had in us is back to purity and return back to God. So that's part of what I was talking to you about the purpose of life mm-hmm. uh, to start with. Anyway, in our in that first life, uh, we met, we traveled along the, the uh, Dead Sea, uh, looking for other like-minded people that had that same experience of being able to communicate and hear God. We went along the Dead Sea. We, it was interesting as we were trying to research some of this because we ended up in the southern edge of the Dead Sea in an area that was somewhat oasis-like and there was greenery and there were streams and lakes. It's interesting that many years later, the stream there is called David's Stream that we found when we were doing the investigation. The area is now called the Ian Getty. And it is an area in uh, Israel that is considered sort of a an oasis, a vacation spot right. because it has natural streams and waters. In that life, um, which was our first life, we had 12 children. Um, all of those 12 children blossomed and did well. Um, we had a little settlement of like-minded people, people all that had souls, and we started to produce a, a beautiful garden. And what happens in that is one of the first forms of conflict starts to occur, which is people become jealous of your garden if it's bigger in the first garden. And so that's the first one of the first conflicts in one of our lives. And in that conflict, Carla ends up dead, which is not so good. But part of the lessons in that conflict in, in that was that the lessons in life are a hav and a hava, which means to love and to give without mm-hmm. expectation. And those are part of the love le- lessons that we learned in that life. Now I, I did go on to live almost a hundred years, even though Carla died young. I'm, I'm very thankful for the other experiences that I've had with her, where I've had a little longer period of time to spend with her. But that's that's the first life that shows up in this book. Incredible. Um, what were the soulless people like, and where did they come from? Well, I I love to I love to say to Dave that my parents during that time, when they called my name, they said Ugh, and. Ugh. <laughs> Dave always says that is not true. We were not cave people. Like he said, they had their own language. It's just nothing. It was an early language that we don't understand. Uh-huh. Yeah. And if you look back, you can find some examples of civilization up to about 10,000 years ago, potentially in the Sumerian and Indus Valley. So, again, when we talk about soulless people, people start to think of evil Mm -hmm. think of think of them as a puppy okay (laughs) they're they're animals living on instinct starting to learn to cooperate starting to learn how to interact they reach a level where their growth is occurring and then a soul is placed that doesn't mean they were automatically bad people right but we also don't judge an animal who kills another animal 
for food. Hmm. And again, this is one of uh, the other discussions when people get into, do animals have souls? Animals don't have souls. They don't need to record their karma. They live on instinct. They're not judged by that. They live out their experience and they return back to heaven, the spirit world, God, after one life. There's actually a blessing if you're an animal and you, and you get to return back after one life because as humans, we have to overcome the fact that we were created with an instinct that animals had. Mm -hmm. And if you, look, if you look biblically, it actually says God created all the animals and then God created man and by man someone in something in his image and we do say god is both male and female but god created in his image so that spark of love that is god was placed in us that stream of consciousness that people talk about our soul to record how we learn so that we can actually become back to god as loving as God is in mm -hmm. creating us. Did God create us because he was lonely or did he create us because as sort of a, a modality for him to get to learn about himself? I think that's something we can't exactly understand. Even trying to describe God becomes very difficult. If you start to do a lot of research, it just... God has to be omnipresent with no end and no beginning. Otherwise, there is no way that there's any purpose. So I think, and this is a personal opinion, and I'd probably have to ask Isabella more related to that. That's my spirit guide. But that God wants to share, to give. It's a it's a part of God in itself. So without the ability to share and give, God is still complete. But to share that completeness with us is, if you want to call it, a purpose. Think about it as mm -hmm. very a very loving couple, and they have children because they want to share their love. Not because they want a lot of work, <laughs> not because they know they're going to have heartbreak, but because they want to share their love. Wow. And love becomes creative. Hmm. Um, so th through the lifetimes that, that, that like, like you two have lived a lot of lifetimes together where you've, mm -hmm. you guys have come across, does that happen for everybody? Is that just something that happens to you? Okay. Is Isabella says that it it seldom happens, but there are people that have many lives together, either to help each other or because they still haven't learned something that they need to figure out between the two of them. You know, and we return in already in soul groups. Mm -hmm. So we have both family mates and karmic mates. And if you get lucky enough, like I feel we have because we've been able to share this many lives together that that family mate becomes someone you see frequently so there are others in our life 
Now, I've had 29 lives with Carla, but Tom is someone who's been in 16 of our lives. Uh, we have others that we've seen, you know, six times, eight times, 10 times in various lives. Our next door neighbor has been in 21 of our lives. Um, we have lots of karma with him. I think we've healed it on our end, but on his end. I mean, if you read the first book, it mentions Don and mm-hmm. there being our neighbor over and over and over. He's in there. And he was in that first life. And mm-hmm. he actually is the one that killed me in my first life. Uh, yes. So again, conflict becomes a, a, a relatively important thing because conflict is what determines war, disagreements, all of those things. And in war, there really is no winner. So in all of those things, that's where karma starts to become. When our ego takes control and we don't make decisions out of love, then there's another karmic thing that needs to be addressed, learned, or overcome. And, you know, the other thing that's sort of beautiful in all of this, Gary, is when you really get to the decision, which is to make decisions out of love, you realize how important free will is. Because if free will is coerced or forced, it can't be love. That's why karma is really not about com- about punishment. It's about com- learning compassion. It's not about forcing you to make a decision to love. It's about allowing you to learn to love. So, so does that give any like credence to like the idea like if I'm having a really tar- hard time in this life and experiencing a whole lot of suffering, that I was probably like a pirate in my previous life. <laughs> Well, you could have been a pirate. You could have been a compassionate com- pirate, though, too. But yes, you could have been a pirate, and and what you did was pillage and steal, and take control of other people's property. And in that case, you may have to experience what it's like to have your property stolen, or to go without. Because how will you understand the other side? I just want to understand the pirate side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Gary. I think you mentioned pirates last time too. I'm so obsessed I'm with sure, that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were a pirate in a past life. There's, there's probably no doubt. Or you want to be? No, actually, actually, I had a psychic call me yesterday, and and she mentioned something too about me being a pirate in a past life. <laughs> and actually, she had a different take on animals, though. She had said to me about the animals, she said that, that that the animals that we have as pets were human in previous lives, and then they come back as pets to assist. So, it's, it's an interesting know. look at it, but so their, their purpose, they would have a purpose which be to assist us, to let us give love to someone. Yeah. I could understand that that opinion of that. On the other side is it would seem a step back for a human who is should be evolving through time to step back as a, as an animal. So we need to continue to evolve. That's part of our purpose mm-hmm. is to continue to change and grow. So if we don't evolve, we don't have purpose. We don't have a reason. And we're created with some sort of potential. And the potential wouldn't be to go backwards. So 
if we're created with potential, the potential must be to grow, evolve, and continue forward. Right. I wouldn't mind coming back as my cat, though. My cat has the life. <laughs> Ours too. <laughs> Ours too. They, they, and the only biggest complaint is that they can't eat. When they when want. They when they want. <laughs> yeah. Mine does. <laughs> he makes sure of it. <laughs> uh, we have to lock ours up at night just to sleep four or five <laughs> hours in a row. Yeah. So. Actually, actually my, my cat's okay with sleep. Like, we keep our animals out in another room. But my dog likes to wake me up at least three times in the middle of the night to go out and go to the bathroom. He, he's a piece of work. Is he old? <laughs> no, he's... Uh, He's just a strange dog. Is he a, he a hunter dog? type? Hmm? Is he a hunter type dog? Oh, no. He's a Frenchie. Really? Like a French bulldog? Yeah, he's a French bulldog. Maybe so, they have small bladders. Yeah, that's probably... They're, they're a little stubborn, too. Very stubborn. And, yeah. and what I think it is, is he just likes to be around me or people in general. And he just gets lonely at night. And he knows somebody's in the other room. And if he barks enough... We're going to come out. Aww. So, so have you considered, Gary, that in the past you never let anybody sleep a full night, and now that there's a dog keeping you awake all night, and maybe that's part of your karma? <laughs> I have not considered that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you may have been a colicky baby and kept your parents up all night. Yeah, but he wouldn't have done that on purpose. No, probably not. No. It wouldn't have been the intention. No. no. But I probably could have kept a lot of people up at night if I was the pirate. You could have. <laughs> just the concern. They could see your boat going up and down the waterways. Yeah. They were concerned by it. I get that. So, so, Gary, we do have a life as Vikings. So I kind of understand because part of that was pillaging and, and doing those kind of things, too. Uh, we finally assimilated with the Scottish. And so we sort of let the pillaging part go away mm -hmm. and the Scottish accepted us in. I think that's a, a good lesson is we, we gave up pillaging because we got to a place where they had no money mm -hmm. and there was nothing to take. And then we realized if there's nothing to take, you have to start to give. So it's interesting, like you guys started it out in a way where everything was kind of cool and you had a garden and everything was okay. And then you had conflict and then it evolved into, you know, a lifetime where you're, you're living as Vikings and, and, and doing all kinds of outrageous stuff. And mm -hmm. then from there, it becomes stories of like redemption and clearing up all that negative karma. Correct. Every, every life. Every life. There's some karma that we're trying to get. Yes. Redemption or, or, or atonement or mm -hmm. whatever you would like to call the word, because we're really trying to get through that lesson and realize that what happens to us is really only circumstance it's not what what really matters it's how we react to it that matters and when we react by learning compassion we we evolve farther and it becomes part of our our self and our memory and that's one of the reasons we go through all these lives and again gary i said we were created with potential and when people say what happens to children when they die? Or what happens to miscarriages? Do you really get to reach your potential if you live only a moment? If you live only a week? 
if you live a month, a year, only one lifetime, can you really reach your potential? So reincarnation is part of that plan so that you can truly reach your potential. Hmm. Um, in your, how, how do you, why is it you guys are able to recall your past lives and I'm not? Well, as I told another podcast host the other day, either you're not ready and you're, or you're not quieting your mind enough. Are you meditating? Oh yeah. I meditate a lot. Well, then apparently they don't think you're ready or, or there's, there's nothing they want to show you right now because your, your spirit guides are only going to allow your subconscious to open and show you mm -hmm. what they think you are ready for. Can I pay them off somehow? Like do like a super good deed and, and they'll like, uh, <laughs> like, like say if I like give all my money to like starving children or something. Actually, that would be great. That would probably be great. Get big brownie points. Yeah. <laughs> do you again, if it's, if it's, if it's, here's the, here's the problem with that, Gary, if you gave everything away to the poor, because you wanted a reward, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that's the right intention. Then that would not be a hava or a hav. Yes, that wouldn't be giving without in, without expectation. Expectation. There's always a catch. There's a catch. <laughs> yes, that's why. That is so true. Now the other thing with that, Gary, is you know people say, why is this veil there? Why can't everybody remember their past lives? Well, the reality is if even Carla and I don't remember every part of every past life mm -hmm. because you can't keep track of that much. I don't remember what I had. Maybe I remember I had oatmeal this morning for breakfast, but I, I don't remember <laughs> yesterday. So if, if you had to try to remember everything and every lesson from every past life, it would be too overwhelming. It would it would overwhelm us and it would become almost too obsessive. Um, now, when you learn parts of lessons like we have, and, and again, if you go for a past life regression, that might be a great idea because you would experience a past life. Um, but I think that past lives is even one of the best evidences that God actually exists that there is something that exists before this life and after this life, mm -hmm. that there is a purpose, that there's a reason, um, that there is something that is controlling all of these plans that happen to you. Because we know people that talk about their higher self. I think their higher self is still just their whole soul. Mm -hmm. If the higher self might be able to coordinate your life, but can the higher, your higher self coordinate my life and the other 7 billion people on earth? Is there a computer strong enough to do that? Or is there a God that actually coordinates all this? Because how come I keep returning with Carla? How come we keep meeting you, even if it's part of this plan? There, there's some reason we're supposed to meet you and interact. It's why is Tom in 16 lives and is the guy next door in 21 lives and is some people in six lives? Why is there karma? Why is there some other, why if there's karma, why is there also someone here to assist us? And why is spirit guides present to assist us? And Dave, do you believe that 7 billion people 
who cannot get along day to day anywhere could actually sit down and use their own higher self and coordinate all of this, it would never happen. They can't even go to the grocery store and get along. Right? There has to be somebody that has the final say. There has to be somebody that the intelligent creator. Yep. Intelligent. There has to be intelligent design. Mm -hmm. Or the world as we know it doesn't exist. So what is a higher self? Or these spirit guides? Who are they? All right. So the higher self is nothing but your experience of you. The There is no higher self that knows everything. Because if you already know everything, you already know every choice that you would make. You would already know how to make the choices to love. You would have no reason to grow. You would have no purpose. So the higher self is nothing but your soul. Your soul is somehow connected to your physical life. This Now, spirit guides is... I like to say is the tether, even though I don't say it's tether is a bad word because people think it can be cut, but it's your direct connection to God. You're actually created with a spirit guide. A main gonna, spirit guide. A main spirit guide that's connected to you throughout all of your lives. Mm-hmm. And it is your direct communication with God. It is that little voice in your head that says. In your left ear. Don't steal that piece of candy. Mm-hmm. Um, should you really do that? Is that the right choice? Those questions that you hear is part of that spirit guide. Still talking to you, still trying to reach out to you, still trying to share the message that it should be love. That's your spirit guide. And of course, there are angels. And angels are really God's messengers, God's workers, if you want to call it who perform and try to help you through your life. Um, Do we always have like the same spirit guide through our entire lives or do we have different spirit guides at different times? Do you want that, Carla? Well, you have one main spirit guide from the moment you're born, but you have other guides and I won't call those spirit guides. I'll just call those guides that come in. For instance, um, when we had a Mayan life way back early on, Um, and Dave was involved, he was a lower priest and he was involved in sacrificing and bleeding out these horrible life. Yes. And horrible. He actually, when he found that life, he was Mm -hmm. so distraught over it to know that he had taken part in that, but we've all been saints and sinners. We've all murdered. We've all done things we shouldn't, um, except for Jesus and Mohammed. But, um, Dave, um, would escort these little virgin girls and or the soldiers um, or war um, prisoners of war yeah, prisoners of war he would take them up to the altar and then the uh, main priest who by the way was Tom my husband would bleed them out he would stick these spines um, into their arms and bleed them out and then that was given to the sun god well there was a particular little girl her name was Shanta who was bled out too long and she actually died. And Dave was so upset about it that he carried her back through the village to her parents uh, with regret, but it it stuck with him. He felt so bad that he had taken part. 
um, in that, but he actually was involved after she died with um, doing away with that higher priest, killing him so that he would stop the torture of everybody. But that little girl has stuck with Dave ever since. And she is, her name is, is Shanta, like I said, and she passes Dave over from all of his lives. When he dies, he immediately sees Shanta. He sees two dark little hands and arms come to him and she carries him uh, to back to the spiritual world. And it's, it's quite an experience when it happens because it literally feels like going through time, eternity, space, forever. But she is his if you want to say his past life travel guide. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of people have me. someone that will do that. They'll take them um, through different um, areas that they need to go for whatever reason. Some people say that their, uh, their parents or somebody is one of their guides. They're not always a guide. Sometimes they are. My mother is our gatekeeper. If you're familiar with what a gatekeeper is, a gatekeeper keeps the negativity away from us. So when negative souls that are waiting to reincarnate try to come to you for whatever reason they're trying to disturb you uh, my mother keeps them away and that's a gatekeeper so those are not to be confused with your main spirit guide but they are guides and they are frequently passed over loved ones and and, mm -hmm. and people like that but your main spirit guide has never had a life mm -hmm. never and had your a angel, human life mm -hmm, and your angel has never had a life are some spirit guides better than others? Like cab drivers, <laughs> like for instance, like like you know, you get like a cab driver that takes you a long way around town and it takes forever, and then you get a cab driver that takes you, to, you know, the direct route, so you can skip maybe oh. over twenty or thirty lives. So, so Gary, that, that's an that's interesting. I'm looking, I'm looking for the shortcut here. Yeah. So, so Gary, part of this, you know. The spirit guide has a, has a purpose too. And the purpose is to help you, but they're, they have their own purpose and their own purpose is to learn human emotion. And so Isabella would say that they don't believe any of them are better or worse than another, that there's no hierarchy. There's not one super spirit guide and one who's not. However, they can only learn human emotion as fast as you learn human emotion and how you learn to cope with emotions. So they find out what it's like to be a human and what it's like to love because they've never experienced what it's like to be without love because they've always been in God's presence, hmm. which that helps them learn how to deal with you. So then maybe my spirit guy could have picked up a beat human because I don't like emotions. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, Gary? Now, you're trying to do good things yeah. every day. And, and, and your podcast is to share experience with the world. So you're, you have a purpose. And so maybe this is your purpose. You know, this is part of your job is your lesson is to share what you learn with everyone. Mm hmm in fact, sharing everything imaginable. <laughs> That's what I tried to do. And Gary, God does not create imperfection. We're born the first time perfect. And mm -hmm. then we begin to make ourselves imperfect. So there's nothing wrong with you that you cannot overcome. Hmm. 
and we're not meant to be alone. And because of that, conflict is inevitable. Right. And, and so if conflict is inevitable, learning to overcome conflict is part of our human growth. So, so what is the best way to overcome conflict? I mean, I, I think time has proven that obviously fighting fire with fire is definitely not the right way. Yeah, an eye for an eye is not the way. Turn the other cheek is definitely the way. Yes. So there's this fine line, Gary, and everybody wants to know what it is exactly. Everything in life is really gray. We start to talk about black and white. It doesn't work that way. Everything is gray. So it really does depend on your intention. So of course, if if someone approaches you with a knife and throws it at your throat, mm-hmm. you have every right to, to block the knife. <laughs> your intention is to stop it. So I think that's okay. If you enter the military because you think it will be fun to shoot at someone, that's not a very good intention. If your intention is to protect people of your community, then that's probably an okay intention. And God, and only God gets to justify what your real intention is. Because the action has to meet match the intention. So it becomes gray. So we're back to the intention. <laughs> <laughs> back to the intention. That's why you have to ask those yourself this question. Am I doing it for me or am I doing it for someone else? Because if, if your intention is to see what reward I get, then it's based on conceit. Mm-hmm. If it's based on what can I give, it's based on love. What if it's Gary, what if it's usually you... a little bit of both? Like I find like most of the things that I do for other people is usually a little bit of both. I usually do want something good for the other person. And at the same time, I do some reward to that too. For me, there's a benefit to yeah. it. Whether it's a there's, spiritual, karmatic benefit. Spiritual reward for you is 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 great. It's great. You know, and, and the reality there too, Gary, is part of karma is also being your best self. That includes loving yourself. If if you don't take care of yourself and you don't love yourself, you're actually being selfish mm-hmm. because you're letting someone else take care of you. You know, if if it, if you're talking about health things, when if you if you smoke and drink too much. And then you end up with lung cancer. It was really a selfish decision. You you enjoyed the cigarette smoke. Yeah. And now you're leaving yourself to use up the resources of the healthcare field to take care of you. So your intention when you were smoking was the enjoyment of the nicotine high or the alcohol high or the whatever. And so that becomes a karmic issue. And then we can talk about, we start passing that karmic through generations. Either karmically, you may pass that to your children, and then you may return to your children so that you understand what it feels like to have an alcoholic father. Because those kind of karma things keep following us. The lessons in history follow generational or conflicts in history follow us years after and years after uh, I think somewhere in the book Hell No Reincarnation we talk about group karma 
and group karma includes things like the Holocaust, Nero, <clears throat> Nero persecuting the Christians, mm -hmm. or we can go back to the very first conflict that David and Ariella had, which was a war over who had the best garden. Some of that is group karma that's following through. It, you know, it may be Christian karma. I hate to say this, that there's Christian karma that Jesus was tormented and he was Jewish. And then the Holocaust happens. Now, I think that that's way too simple to say. And people will jump on me and tell me I'm a terrible man because the Holocaust should have never happened. Right. But humanity let the Holocaust happen. So is war justified if, if we went into war to stop the Holocaust? Possibly. That's God's to justify. Mm -hmm. But maybe the right thing to do was never to have the war to start with. If, if the people didn't believe they were better than someone else, if they realized the lessons of reincarnation, which is, I've been black, I've been white, I've been Jewish, I've been Christian, I've been Muslim, pagan, I've been on war on both sides of the same war. Mm -hmm. Because you realize that you have to live the other side. And until you live the other side, you may not understand. So possibly the people that were involved in the Holocaust are going to be involved in some other natural disaster, are going to lose their life for some reason, or they're going to feel what it's like to lose a family member. Because they have to feel the loss that all of those people who lost their lives that were Jewish, all of their families felt that loss. An entire race, religion, culture lost a large group of people. Mm -hmm. And now they have, they felt that loss. If you cause that loss, you're going to feel part of that loss. Mm. And that actually in Hell No Reincarnation, there is a story in there. Um, it was actually days in my last life. We were brother and sister. Um, I was six and he was four. Um, our father was um, a fighter pilot in World War II. And he, you know, killed a lot of people. Um, Bombing during, indiscriminately. During the war. Yes, killing women and children. And, and, you know, they weren't soldiers. They just happened to be in the wake of things. Um, but on Christmas Eve, he was in the service. We were home with our mother. Um, she was wrapping presents and we were playing on a three-story staircase and we both fell to our death and broke our necks and died. And um, at the end of that story, it explains, I should say we explain that um, the reason for that was that our father Jackson had to feel what it was like to lose children, to lose family, because at his hands, other people were losing their family and their children. And sometimes it's that black and white and sometimes it's not, but in that particular case it was. And it was not the car it was not our karma to die at such an early age, but rather our father's karma that needed to learn the lesson. Hmm. Um are there are there people like like when it comes to the soul and reincarnation, are there people being born now? that have not had previous lives. Absolutely, Gary. There so are so there's like who, fresh souls running around? Well, 
the soul was still created in the beginning mm -hmm. and they've been waiting. This is one of those things that has to do with the population growth. Again, God had to have a plan. And as, as the world's population increases, new souls are placed. He would, would either have to create or she would have to create new souls as they were necessary as the population grew or create them all at the beginning. Creating them all in the beginning does mean that those souls that have their first life did get to watch, did get to learn by watching some mistakes. Mm -hmm. If you call them mistakes, poor choices. So they've had some experience by watching what's been going on. And hopefully as they come, they have a different perspective and will help change the world. So the new souls sort of have an advantage because they've had a chance to watch all our mistakes. That's true. They're lucky. They totally locked out. I'm jealous. <laughs> Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous. You're jealous <laughs> that creates karma and you'll have to come back again. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I'm jealous of these new souls coming out. <laughs> yes, but sometimes it's easy to watch something and, and form an opinion. And then when you do it yourself, it's totally different. That's right. So they're still having to address, you know, born to parents who have karma. They are being raised with a group that has a different karma. Mm -hmm. And if they're born into a specific race, creed, whatever, the first time, their first indoctrination is to believe what they now know, and they don't have, they've been watching, but they don't have the experience of actually feeling it. You know, in a, in a world where we have so many things going wrong, it might be a little scary to be suddenly plopped in the middle. If you've never had any experience. Right. So it's like, it's like you can't experience loss by watching a TV show about loss. Mm -mm. Correct. Mm -mm. And the other thing, Gary, is, is I, I use this example a lot. All of our past life memories are held in our subconscious. And the subconscious works by recording every single experience as, as either positive or negative. So the first time you touch something that's hot and it burns you, you pull back. The second time you touch something that's hot, you pull back faster because you have the memory. The new soul doesn't have any memory. It doesn't know how to avoid yet. Mm -hmm. So that new soul, so don't be jealous because you at least know how to avoid. And Which don't means, forget, their, their mind is wiped clean. They come down here just like us without knowledge. Right. So don't be jealous. All right. I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there a limit on how many times, or, or is, there, is there an end game or a limit on how many lives we have to live? So, Gary, we, there's a couple ways to answer that question, from, but there is no defined limit. As we know it. So there's no cutoff. There's no cutoff. You could. Now, I, I have to tell you that we also, every time we look at reincarnation, we have to examine the reality of the world we live in. And so if we look at science, 
Science says the earth will decay. The solar system will decay. The universe will decay. There is, there is change that it continues to happen. So if we use some of science predictions, you would say this earth has been here some 13 million years and probably about 13 million more. So there is going to be some limit at some time to how long reincarnation can exist. Mm -hmm. And so there's got to be a plan for that. I'm not going to ask God what the plan is because God doesn't want us to know the future. But science at least predicts that there's an, there's an end to the earth. So there must be an end to this cycle. All right. So we could be like at the bottom of the sixth. Yes, we could be at the bottom of the sixth. You're right. Absolutely. Still trying to hit the last home run. <laughs> and consider this, Gary. The most selfish person on earth, the most selfish person on earth might be that person who's the last person on earth and has no, and has everything, mm -hmm. but has no one. Yeah. So there's going to be a it, lesson it, somewhere. Is, does this only apply towards earth or do you think that this reincarnation thing is happening on other planets. Space is pretty big. Space is pretty big. So I'll have a couple discussions with you there because I know people on your show, there's everything imaginable. <laughs> if we look at, if we look at what science actually says, and this always sounds like a very egotistical comment, but if we look at science, there's 8 trillion, trillion, trillion planets. In, this, in the universe. And if we look at the parameters that require to have life like we do, it brings the number of planets down to something like 200. And of those 200 planets, the other thing that's required because it has to be the right distance from the sun and the heat and all of the other, for the, for the other things to have to happen, there needs to be a really large planet outside of us in our same solar system, like Jupiter, because the asteroid storm that occurs would actually destroy the planet, even if there was life. Mm -hmm. And so with the asteroid storm that occurs throughout the universe, and the universe is ever expanding, so this asteroid storm just continues to flow out. If there wasn't a large planet in our solar system like Jupiter, our planet would already be destroyed. So that makes it even more unlikely that there's life on other planets. And then there's the other part of this, which is, and of course this research is done on earth, but when they do research on children who can't be coached, who don't have other knowledge, they don't return as an alien. They never have had an alien life. They don't experience that. They don't experience, and we don't, believe that cross-species reincarnation can occur. So our DNA is relatively unique. It is how we're developed. It might be one of those, you know, sacred geometries, the special spiral, and it doesn't exist by accident. It's hmm. part of that great design, which again argues for God. 
So cross-species reincarnation doesn't occur. Now, Gary, you've probably had people on your show. I've had a lot of people on my show that have said that they've been Pleiadians, Arcturians, Syrians. Correct. If you if you realize that we're all really spiritual beings, and that none of us are, this is not our first home. Every one of us is an extraterrestrial. And if you try to imagine what the experience is like in a spiritual world, heaven, or whatever you want to call it, it can be a world of strange colors and crystals, a world where all communication, because it's it's an energy type situation. We don't have normal eyes. We experience. We don't have eyes. We experience based on we do as humans experience based on our memories of life on, on earth. So we may fill in the shapes in our minds, what this ball of energy looks like. Mm-hmm. This non-earthly looking creature. It's really an experience you're having. It's not necessarily what it would look like if it existed on earth. And we think that possibly the spiritual world doesn't follow any of the same laws that the earthly world does. We don't have any proof that it does. Our experience is that we experience something in the non-earthly world when we're in the spiritual world, and we interpret that as beings from space or an extraterrestrial. Mm -hmm. Angels, spirit guides. If you start looking back at even Sumerian history and you start looking and the people say, See, the Sumerians all talk about the Anuki, these heavenly beings that came from the sky. Well, all the gods came from the sky because all of the myths, even Mount Olympus was in the sky because most of the people lived in the desert where there was no water or limited water that was temperate temperatures. Only the gods could live up there where there was all this cold and whatever, because humans couldn't survive there. The spirits in the sky become the creators, the Anuki, the Elohim, the gods. Those are all spiritual, extraterrestrial, and they're all what we call spirit guides, angel, and God. Hmm. Interesting. Um, is there a space between lives? Like after we die, do we get at least a coffee break? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes a coffee break can be long. Um, and again, that's a matter of what time perspective is, is probably different spiritually than it is earthly. But Yes, the time frame between lives or the period of atonement is a is a really important part of your learning process. Oh, there's the book, The Manual. That's Can you see that, Gary? Yep. It's coming out in April. That will answer all of those questions. Awesome. Yes, but, it's, but the time between lives, the period of atonement is actually a past life review. And you go through the current life, maybe some of the other lives where you hadn't dealt with all of those karma and you learn what you did that was a poor choice and you feel 
what those people felt that you did it to. So if you were a soldier and you killed someone in battle, even if God would justify that, you're still going to feel what, it, what their family felt when they lost them. So that you learn compassion, so that you understand that shortening the life of a soul can't be done. That murder or cutting short the life of a soul is, is the worst thing that you can do. If you don't like to define things as, as good and bad, but it's the one thing that you can do because it stops that soul from being able to learn its lessons. So it must return again. So when you cut short someone's life, you feel that in atonement. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had experiences because I got to watch my father's atonement, which is a, was a really interesting example, which demonstrated a lot to us. When I was watching my father's atonement, my father in this life, two lives before he was a slave trader. And as a slave trader, he stole people from their families and chained them into the base of the boat and took them across the ocean and sold them as property. In the next life, his daughter was kidnapped and his wife died in childbirth because he had to feel what it was like to be separated from his loved ones. And then in this life as my father, really a wonderful man, you know, I always love him. I miss my father and those things. But my father got Parkinson's. It was very severe in his old age. And the last 20, 20 years of his life, he was chained to a wheelchair because of the Parkinson's. That's what the karma is. Part of that lesson is when he had to lose part of his freedom. Now, he overcame that by based, by still having the most positive outlook of anybody I know mm -hmm. and still trying to be positive, still trying to make a difference in people's lives, even trapped in his wheelchair. Mm. So it's that part of the intention, overcoming the karma. So Gary, yeah. answering your question, Dave got off at a little tangent there. Sorry. <laughs> so after your life review, of course, you're coming back with either a family mate or a karmic mate or both or all. So you have to cycle back in with them. And if they're, um, let's say you died at 40 and you need to come back with somebody who's now 30, you'll sit and wait for them to cycle so that you can come back together. So it's not one particular amount of time where you wait to come back. It varies just like our lives. If you die early, of course, you know, you're back there really quickly waiting longer, um, especially if you have to come back with somebody who lives to be 90 years old. Does that make sense? It does if time is linear. Well, time is only linear here, not up there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like one so of the questions I was going to ask is, if, is it possible to be to incarnate in the past instead of in the future? The physical world, even with quantum physics, acts under the rule of cause and effect. If you read deeply, now we start adding some metaphysical thoughts on top of that because of the possibilities of these split universal issues. Our universe is created. The reality is, if there is another universe, 
Quantum physics predicts that it does not interact with this one in any way, shape, or form, so it cannot affect the timeline of this universe. So regardless of when we start adding all these metaphysical possible other mm -hmm. universes, it does not affect this universe. And this is the universe that God created you to live in and, and, and learn your karma. And it works under cause and effect, another argument for why God exists. What would happen if if somebody is a, becomes aware of this cycle and is able to carry it from life to life? And as soon as they become aware, like say they hit like an age of like, I don't know, nine or 10 years old, and they're like, oh, wait, I didn't want to do this again. And they, and they reach a certain age and they kill themselves. And then they reincarnate again. And they reach that certain age again. And they kill themselves again. And they just keep doing it over and over and over again so they don't have to have any experiences. Is that possible? You would have free will, but that would also mean that you would never learn and you would never complete the cycle. And you would be that one person who was left at the end mm -hmm. when the world is done and there's no one else here. And so, so you would have. So that would be considered little, selfish. It would be selfish, right. extremely selfish. And Gary never gave to anyone. Mm -hmm. um, in the manual, we actually talk about our astrological signs our traits and our archetypes. And they're all part of how we're designed by God. Now, if God knew that you were a particularly stubborn child and you wanted your own way, and you were going to do something like kill yourself again because you're a little bit too smart, God would modify that with either your astrological sign, your trait or your archetype because that alters who you are. Hmm. What if I don't like God messing with me? And I always want to do my own thing. Then you're oh. probably going to come back um, under a trait that has a lot of difficulties. Because mm -hmm. when you turn your back on God, God has a way to wisen you up the next time. <laughs> like, you because... should say what that trait is, Carla, because you hinted. The trait is called esoteric highness. Mm -hmm. And if you turn your back on God, you will become back with a trait called esoteric highness, which means you're always in your head, mm -hmm. always trying to try to figure out what's going on. Always trapped, thinking almost, about yourself. Always trapped and you have to overcome that. Mm -hmm. Is that what would happen to somebody like Lucifer? <laughs> okay. There is no devil. <laughs> okay. There is no hell. There is no king of hell. And if you, and if you, if you go back and study biblical history, you realize in the Old Testament, they used the word Hades. They used the word um, Sheol. Both of those, one was a Greek term and one was uh, a Hebrew term that just meant the place that people go when they die. Right. The Jewish people actually believe in atonement, which means that while you're there, you could still be learning, which sounds a lot like atonement. In, in, in the time between lives. Then you have the other place that, that they use in the Bible, and it's called the Valley of Jehenim. The Valley of Jehenim is where Nero and some of the judges in Hebrew literature killed their unborn children and or persecuted the Christians. And they were placed there and burned. 
And it was also the ditch that ran around the outside of Jerusalem where all the excrement went, their waste, their animal waste, everything went down there. So it was full of spontaneous combustion, burning, like people say, Hellwood. Mm -hmm. And so when you get to many years later, and there's been multiple translations, and he gets to the King James Bible, King James said, those words are too confusing. We're going to change all of those words to hell. So where Jehannam, which was the ditch outside of Jerusalem, and Hades, which was where Greek people went to die, and Sheol, where Jewish people went to die after they died, they changed it to hell. Now, hell was named after Helia, which was the pagan god of the underworld in Germany. In, in a Germanic language. Mm -hmm. And it happens to be that King James's wife was of Germanic descent and influenced him to change the word to Helia. So Helia became the place <laughs> where we all did tormented and died by burning fire. However, hell never existed. So there are no fallen angels or Nephilim? Okay. So... You're asking some questions that are pretty good. So I'm going to say there, there actually are three fallen angels. But you shouldn't give that story because that's in book three. You'll give away the the uh, the story. Okay. So, so they'll have to read about the three fallen angels. Mm -hmm. In the manual. In, in the manual. Because that's it's right. not so cut and dry. It has to be explained. Yes. So now, you can talk about the Nephilim. <laughs> I'll talk about the Nephilim. If you want me to talk about the Nephilim and the Watchers, I will I will have that discussion. Uh, so, Gary, if you've read the Book of Enoch or you've had people talk about the Book of Enoch and or some of the other books found at the Dead Sea Scroll areas, they talk about Watchers. And that they say, and so I want you to think back really careful, Gary. Your spirit guide is sitting up in heaven watching you. And those souls that are not coming, have not come to earth yet, are sitting there watching you. Those are the watchers. And the watchers, some of the watchers come back to heaven for a new, come back to earth for a new life. And they mate with the people down here, bringing their karma and sin with them. And the Nephilim are nothing more than a description of evil that's born and passed down through the generations. So it's bad karma. It's bad mm. karma. They're not really giants. They're those with giant egos. Now, there are bigger people and, and they have found archaeological sites with some taller people, mm -hmm. but it's because there's variation in, in our species and we have different sized people. I don't think Bigfoot is one of the Nephilim still alive wandering the earth. I have had guests that would definitely disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Bigfoot is Nephilim? No, I think Bigfoot is a cryptid. Okay. <laughs> but I do think there is a, un, you know, there's a species that we haven't discovered yet that's pretty intelligent. Okay. Um, it's interesting that that uh, 
about that. I can't wait to hear about these three fallen angels in your other book. Well, you'll like them. You won't think badly of them. No. Well, no. That's, that's, that's good because actually, like, even even with the Bible, um, like, like, I actually like Lucifer in a way. And um, and I had actually I, I had a guest on, and he you know had, the word Lucifer doesn't exist in the Bible. Well, I I know it means like like Lucifer means like morning star. Mm-hmm. It's actually it's actually the bringer of light or something like that. And but but I had this guy who said he had a, de- a death experience and he had it, and he was told that if if um. God, God and Lucifer made a deal, and if God gets like this many souls, he wins. And if Lucifer's able to get this one soul, then he would win. And I'm thinking like, and and, and Israel, I think I, I made a guy a little bit mad, but I was like, well, I would give my soul to Lucifer just because he gave us sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I'll be that one. <laughs> no, you won't be that one, Gary. You don't get that chance. And actually, if you do biblical that story, sounds a little bit like a Bible story that's just been revamped. Yeah. yeah. If you really, if you really look in the Bible, they use the the translation is the Satan, and when there when the is put before it, it 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 means it has to do with a title, and so adversary. Satan mm-hmm. is really the. Hebrew word for adversary. And if you look in the book of Job, it says God assigned one of the angels the job, say the Satan or the adversary, because and says, What do you guys think about Job? And then in the story, it says, Job is a really good man and he's rich. And so the adversary, the Satan, says, well, certainly he's a good man. He's rich. He's got all the food in the world. He's got lots of land. He's got a good wife. Everything is perfect. And God says, well, what do you think? He says, well, if he didn't have it so perfect, he wouldn't be good. And he says, well, as the adversary, go ahead and do it. So the adversary goes down, takes all of Job's money, makes him poor, starving, takes away his wife, everything. He gets horrible diseases and he's sick and dying. Metaphorically goes down metaphorically mm-hmm. and thank you and guess what job is still a good man so what you have in life is not what makes you a good person what who you are is what makes you a good person and when the satan was done with his job the satan returned to his other job as being an angel didn't fall so he just hung out and tempted people. Well, Job anyway. He tempted Job. <laughs> I guess that, I could see that as being fun. Okay. You know, it, something else in the book. You're so that, bad, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, something else in the book is that, you know, people talk about how can we have messages from passed over ones and well, how, how come they're spirit guides and even even in the book, Hell No Reincarnation, we talk about a scene where Jesus sees Moses and Elijah. And the, the reality is, in that picture, Jesus is, is talking to passed over people. Mm-hmm. There are those who have passed before. 
who are available to speak to. And if you go by biblical stories and or the Christian doctrine, Moses and Elijah shouldn't be available. They should be waiting till the end of all eternity when judgment day happens. And then they'll all return and walk like the walking dead and walk around the earth and <laughs> be joined with their soul again, because that's the, that's the doctrine of the be joined with their body. Mm -hmm. And so they're not available to talk to Jesus because they're waiting for the final judgment day. Right. Yet Jesus talks to them in the Bible. That brings up a, an, an, interesting, an interesting question. Um, what, with reincarnation, if we're incarnated in a body, who is it that mediums are talking to? Okay. That's a things. great question. Certainly, mediums can't <laughs> talk to everybody. Because, now, remember, there's a couple things that are important. During atonement, one of your assignments is frequently to try to reach those you left behind because you want to feel that they miss that, that they're missing you, especially if, if you died of your own fault, you need to atone for that and say you're sorry. Mm -hmm. So mediums really do serve a purpose. They connect those who have recently passed to their current loved ones so they can receive a message that says it's really okay. Dying is not bad. And I'm sorry that I left you. And if it seems like it's you're uncomfortable, I feel bad that you feel uncomfortable. I feel your pain. I'm compassionate for your loss. And then, of course, mediums can also talk to those who are waiting to return. And sometimes the period to return may be 30, 60, 100, 200 years. Well, everybody who would be trying to connect them in 200 years is already passed, so they're they're not looking for that person anymore. That person has returned to another life, and so the medium can't reach them because that medium is actually dead from that from that period of time and is now on to another life. Right, Gary. There, just like everything else, there's, you know, there's woodworkers that are really great at their job. They can create beautiful wood art. Same thing with mediums. There are mediums that are no different than Dave and I. Dave can connect to the spiritual world like it's right here in front of us, like he's talking to you and I. He can get vast amount of details. He can speak to past over loved ones, although that is not his gift. His spirit guide tells him that is not where his gift lies. And his gift is to tell people the truth. That's why we write our books. Now, there are mediums that have other gifts. Dave has a very good friend that talks to people that have passed over. They come to him in the middle of the night, they come to him during the day and he drinks so that he won't have to face it. He was raised Baptist, he's scared to death of it. He thinks it's the devil coming to him um, and he wastes his gift. He doesn't do what he's supposed to do with it. And then there's some mediums that are just charlatans. They're into it to make the money. And if they don't know something, they make it up. And that's why there's so much confusion with people. And that's why they, they receive wrong messages or they have wrong information. Because there's a lot of mediums out there that have giant egos and they, sh they say things they shouldn't be telling. Um, I went to a medium one time with a group of my girlfriends. One of the girls went in and the medium said to her, oh, your brother-in-law is gonna die in three weeks. 
And she came out and told us, and I said, do not tell your sister that. She'll be so upset. You can't tell her that. That'll ruin her whole life. Well, do you know that medium was right, except it wasn't her brother-in-law married to her sister. It was her brother-in-law's brother. So see what she could have done. She could have really upset the girl and changed her entire life. And that's why mediums shouldn't predict the future. It shouldn't be done. If you want to tell somebody about a problem they're having to help them along with it or give a good message um, from a past over loved one, an apology or something, that's one thing. But it's like anything else. You've got your good mediums and you have your good woodworkers. You know, it's 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 sad, but it's just true. Yeah. And and actually, Isabella's message is we shouldn't predict the future. If it if it changes the decision you would make. Then you're going to miss a lesson. Mm hmm. Does the same apply for paranormal phenomena like ghosts? I would say yes, Gary. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about ghosts. Again, I I we've talked to people who experience spirits who have passed. And what is really the definition? The difference between a spirit that's passed and a ghost is people think that the ghost is somehow trapped here in this world. Right. Everyone passes. Mm -hmm. So you could you could contact a spirit and the spirit could be trying to influence their coming life and they could be waiting to return. And so they're trying to give messages to influence the world that they're about to return to. And so as they try to influence this world that they're going to come to, their own ego is still saying, since I'm returning to this world, if I tell these people this, they'll change the way things are. And then the world will be different when I arrive. And think about those souls that die too early or they die unexpectedly. When they go to have their life review, Isabella has already explained this to us. You cannot give a life review to a child and make them understand because they're so young. They don't have the experience. So that child is somewhat confused. And that child sits and waits, just like everybody else, trying to learn lessons, trying to be taught lessons. But that child or that person that passed over really quickly, unexpectedly, is confused. And often that is confused with a ghost that's trapped. A ghost that they can't get, um, they can't leave this world and get to the spiritual world. Make no mistake, Isabella has told us, every single person passes over. God would never allow that to happen for them to be left here because we're tethered to our spirit guide and our angels. And we have a past life guide who takes us personally over. We wouldn't be caught here. It's just confusion because of something that happened during the end of that life, either you died unexpectedly or you were too young. And so you have to get past that. And, and Gary, people who talk about ghosts in general are talking, almost all have a belief that there is a spiritual world, a place to go. And a spiritual world with a place to go is again, Someone almost has to believe that there is a God or a creator who created a spiritual place or a heaven to go. 
If God created a heaven to go, why would he let a ghost or a spirit stay on this world? And be stuck, scared. It makes no, it makes no sense. Right. Um, so how do you, I mean, when it comes to past life regression, do you guys use hypnosis? How do you do it? Well, for Dave, he just goes there. Yeah, I just, mm-hmm. I just look at the spot and it becomes like a movie to me almost immediately. Now, we went and trained with Dr. Brian Weiss. Just a couple uh, of years ago. On past life regression because we wanted to share the experience that other people were having and try to share our experience. And so we do past life regression on friends and acquaintances and people that we know, family and et cetera. But we don't really do it for a living, but it we we went for the training to to have that same experience. And it was incredible because we were in a room with 150 people from all the way around the world who were training with Dr. Weiss, all having these same experiences, actually regressing one another. Um, and it, it, it is a form of hypnosis. Hypnosis actually accesses the subconscious. Same place that meditation does, it accesses the subconscious. Um, the same place that people who have some dreams they're, they're actually in that period of time where they're accessing the subconscious. The same brain waves start to occur, beta and theta waves. So all of that happens during hypnosis. It happens during meditation. It happens to, in that time between wake and sleep. So yes, if we do regression, we, we do hypnosis. But Dave um, does not need it, Gary. Dave I can don't connect. All he has to do is close his eyes and he's there. So you could help me remember my past life to help me get to the bottom of this pirate situation. <laughs> we could help you with past life. Because this could be, this could be like a pirate. whole another episode. Find out why I am obsessed with pirates. <laughs> what else are you obsessed with besides baseball? Actually, I don't even play baseball. Music. Well, you do. Music. Music. I, oh, that's I, right. Like, you are, a, you are a, quite the guitar player, Gary. I am the best in the world. Well, now that's now that could be considered conceit, Gary. Right. Uh, I'm, you, I'm also I'm also the greatest podcaster in the world. <laughs> I just don't understand why so many male podcasters are in bands. Is there something that some correlation there? Yeah, I I think it's just a creative outlet. You know, I I think um, musicians. Mm-hmm. I, like, almost everybody I know, like, like I've also written a book. So, you know, I, I play music. I like to write. I like to do podcast. Anything that where, I'm, where I'm creating something makes me feel better. If I'm mm-hmm. not cre- – my, my friend has a saying. If I'm not creating something, I'm breaking something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's true for like an artist. Yes, you need a purpose. A, there's a purpose. And so, Gary, if you consider your music – not only a gift to you, but a gift to others. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. And if you consider your podcast as a gift to you and a gift to others, I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So just you know, you could you could use your gifts if you're making a positive. If you're trying to do something positive, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm mostly motivated out of curiosity more than anything else. You know. I, I, you know, one of the things like with my podcast too is, and I get a little heat for it, 
sometimes from some people, even my wife sometimes, is that I'm willing to even take on some darker subjects that, that other podcasters will not touch. You know, uh, like uh, I've had people on my podcast that conjure demons and stuff like that and work, you know, all in the, in the dark type of magic. So I, I try to give everybody an equal uh, platform. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so my listeners can get the, the whole idea of what's going on. Cause really like when you listen to some of these people that follow those paths, actually you find out like they're, they're just exploring another aspect of life. They're not necessarily doing any type of evil or harm. Right. In fact, they're doing quite the opposite. They're, they're taking something that's been sitting in the dark for a long time and people have a negative view of, and bringing it out into light and saying, hey, look, you know, this is what this really is. It's, it's this form of energy. It's this type of spirit. It mm-hmm. actually has a use. It has a purpose. You know, don't think of it as something bad. Mm-hmm. And then positive and, and negative choices. Positive and negative choices. Always, if there's a positive and negative choice, you can always make the positive choice. Mm-hmm. So, there's that whole theory of duality that there must be evil for there to be good and there must be. So, you know, I can go with some of those arguments. I like the purple screen behind you. Look at mine. Oh, yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Cool. Yeah. Like the, the, you want to tell him what that is, Carla? Uh, that's actually um, she. That is the female side of God. I purchased that from Tibetan monks. Mm-hmm. Um, they had come to a Unitarian church and I, I went to, to listen to them and they make these and then I took it and had it framed. And it's an interesting story about she, we used to have the picture hanging at the office where, uh, in the room that we would meditate in. Mm-hmm. And to this day, when I dust, there is never one ounce of dust on this frame. Oh, that's never. Awesome. I can let it go for two months and dust it. And there's nothing, no <laughs> dust. No dust. It does That's, not collect mm-mm. on the female side of God. Just no. so you know. Hmm. The, the, the prayer flags behind me I bought, from, I got them from Tibetan monks. That's cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah, when you were at uh, Princeton University. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, how many more lives do you think you have left? Well, we've been slow learners so far, Gary. I hope I'm done. <laughs> yes, we all hope. We all hope we're done. Again, you can look at this a lot of different ways, Gary. There is still a gift of this experience. There's a gift of love. There's a gift of the potential to return home. So as long as we realize that we are eternal, that there is no end, that whatever you're experiencing is not the reality of forever. I think you can still take peace in where we're at. And so the number of lives we may have doesn't really matter. The only life you can affect is this one. So make those loving choices. Because if you're making the loving choices, you're decreasing the number of lives that you're going to have. All right. One last question. If you had a time machine, would you go back and change any of your lives? Mm-mm. 
now because where I'm at right now is good. And I got to share another life with Carla and it's worth it. And I, I would not be a product of who I am today had I not had my 33 other lives. Hmm. I hope I graduate. I'm really hoping that as the, the world is more populated, that God use, you know, in school, you'd have that condensed version of the book you had to read. Oh, I'm like hoping that, that God has that condensed version of, okay, let's get the rest of these souls up here so we can complete this and finish it. So if I happen to be down here, I hope that God uses that condensed version and gets us all back up there. Do you think there is a fast forward button? If there was, you know, you would have used it. (laughs) (laughs) You would have hit the button already, Gary. (laughs) Now, Gary, the real question is, do you want to go back and not be a pirate? I would go back and be a pirate at the drop of a hat. You'd be a nice pirate, though. Well, I don't know about that. I would be drinking rum, sailing, hunting treasure. Okay, well, as long so, as you do it you know, considerately. Yes, <laughs> if you get if you get all the treasure, Gary, and you have it all, and everything you would ever want, as long as you share that treasure, I think mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. And your rum. Uh, and your I, rum. I, I, I would yes. find an island of beautiful women to share it with. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Gary, that sounds to be a little bit on the conceited. Or a little bit something. I'm not sure. I think yet. that you know, your wife is not going to like that answer. She she would expect totally expect that from me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, your first person to ever call me conceited. Oh. <laughs> when is your birthday? Uh, my birthday is December 30th, 1967. Capricorn. Well, we talked about this before. You know that you and your past life had an unforgiving streak. So you know right now that's what you need to work on. That's who your angel is right now, the angel of forgiveness. You have one out of Uriel's legion. Mm -hmm. So if you ever meditate and you see red, that's your angel. That's not Satan. There is no Satan. So forgive (laughs) yourself for being a pirate, okay? Oh, I've forgiven it. I want to do it again. I don't believe you're hopeless, Gary, because we all have potential, regardless of what you say. Oh wow! So, so where can my uh, listeners find you guys before we wrap this up? Uh, First of all, our website is thegiftofpastlives.com. All of our books are also available on Amazon. So, if you go to Hell No Reincarnation or The Gift of Past Lives with Mother Isabella God and Elizabeth. You can find them on Amazon. If you're a listener in the UK, it's the Amazon UK. It's also available at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, other online sites. And the manual should be available first part of April. Soon. Mm-hmm. You're going to come back on to promote it? We'd love to, Gary. If we have an invitation, we will. You always have an invitation with me. Thanks, Gary. Uh, <laughs> oh, guys, thanks for being on. This was a lot of fun. Ahoy. <laughs> yes. Next time, I might wear a patch on this hat. <laughs> no, no, wear a pirate hat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. Plus, I only have one leg, so I'm already ahead of the game. Oh, <laughs> well, at least you have another, right? Yeah, I do have the one leg. 
Mm-hmm. And you have got right. two arms and a good brain and a good heart. Actually, I'm joking. I, I you do have, have all the gifts you need. I have you two. Have le- all the gifts you need. I have two legs. All right. <laughs> good for you all right well thanks for being on and hang on one second and i'm just gonna play the outro okay oh and, and the links to your website and your books will be in the notes of this episode uh so while my listeners are listening uh, they'll be able to go to those links and check you out and buy your books thanks, thanks gary, gary. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. And it's on Amazon. It'll change your life. Because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.